The kids can be uh, dismissed for children's church. Scripture reading today is John 1 through 3. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Thank you so much for, for sharing this morning, Clint, for Clint for filling in um, this morning as a worship leader. Thank you so much, Clint. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's watching us on Facebook this morning. Uh, Diane, Pam, um, Tracy, and Barb Kreitzer as well. Diane Riley, I think I said that one already, but we missed one more important birthday. It is Greg Oliver's birthday today, having to work, so happy birthday, Greg, and thank you for for joining us this morning. I have not been able to check. We haven't had as many listen to the transmitter because it's been so cold outside, Um, so if anybody knows, if anyone's out there, please let me know, but haven't had a chance to, to check this morning, but if you're out there, we are glad that you are with us as well. And if you do have your Bibles open up to John chapter 1, we're going to take a look in verses 1 through 18. Um, we're, this is going to be a second week in, in this book of John series that we began, and we're going to continue um, through Easter. Easter is not really that far away. This last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. But I was talking to uh, uh, just John or uh, Don had told me a, a story earlier today. He was kind of having a, a rough week, and um, he had gotten pulled over. He had gotten pulled over, and the cop said, "Sir, I have you going a hundred miles an hour." And he's like, hundred miles an hour? That sounds about right. My brakes just went out. I was making sure I get home before I get in a wreck." Now, I had also heard uh, you guys may have heard that there was. They thought they had a. Um, I thought they'd captured, it was a guy that I guess is supposedly responsible for a lot of really bad things across the country, and he uses knives, and they saw a guy had all kinds of knives in his back seat, and the cops, had, he was speeding, the cops had pulled him over and thought the description matched, and the guy says, no, I swear, I, I, am a, I, I juggle knives for a living, this is, it's an act that I do, and he said, I'll even demonstrate for you, so he got out of his car and began juggling all the knives, and a good friend of mine drove by here, he saw this, he said, praise the Lord, I gave my life to Jesus and quit drinking, because these sobriety tests are getting ridiculous. <laughs> so, so I, I, I had to open with those couple jokes, because um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, I, I was noticing how me and my wife, were, were, you know, as we get older, it's harder to find stuff that we both seem to like, if we ever want to watch something on television. And Dateline or these murder mystery things seem to be our thing that we both kind of get into together. And Mandy really loves these 
uh, really loves Dateline, okay? So if you ever, if you ever watched one of these, here's this thing that they do where they, they do every episode and they build it like with a mystery. Like they show this loving wife who lost her spouse and you feel really, really bad for her. But what happens at the end? By the end, you realize, no, she's the one that did it. And all of a sudden, your emotions and everything you had changes about this person. You went from before you, you, you really felt really bad for her, like, that. Well, she is so evil. How could she ever do that? That's what they always do to you on, on an episode of Dateline. Now, I say that because that's kind of like what, a little bit of what's going on in the book of 1 John. Um, we, we, and I had to, we, we started this series, we talked about water to wine last week. And so this week, I had to go back because it's such an important uh, important book of the Bible, first, the, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. John attempts to do something here that very few of his of the synoptic Gospels try to do in just a few words. Um, this, this theology, this creation theology, he, he explains Christology. It just means the theology of Christ, who Christ is and where Christ was in the beginning. And he does all of that in these, these first few verses. And so just as you watch like a episode of Dateline, it changes your attitude about things. Well, our attitude is supposed to change when we read this verse, but we're also supposed to do something. And so I want to want to talk to you a little bit today about the revelation and the response that we are called to have right out of John chapter 1. Now this is this can be high theological stuff, but I'm not going to make it very theological. I just want you to capture these basic points because if you can remember these things, these are the kind of things that people have a lot of questions about when they talk about the reason for the, the meaning of life, the purpose of our existence, and how everything began. John gives us just a few key nuggets here in, in the book of John. So let's pray before we read the word of God this morning. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for moments that we can have and allow this word that has been passed on from generation to generation to now be relevant to us. And as we are people who are capable with our intellect, with our discernment of understanding your scriptures, Lord, Holy Spirit, may you convict us and remind us that that is not the end. We are not just here to understand we are here to apply. We are not just here to re- recognize and receive a revelation. We are here to respond to it. So may we never come to a point in our walk with you where these are just words on a page, where they must be words that call us to action each and every time we read them. And Lord, I ask of that as we read the, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and reread the first three verses that Clint read, and I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to go all the way to verse 18. So if you do have your Bibles, I don't know if Nick's going to have all those verses up here, but I'd love for you to follow along in your Bible with me. Feel free to point out or highlight anything that you would like to. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through, all him, through, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. 
Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every, everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world did not recognize him, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father he, excuse me, has made him known. So the first thing we're going to talk about quickly this morning is the revelation. The revelation in John 1 through 8. So here are some things that this gospel tells us that, that you could say that all the other synoptic gospels attempt to do, um, but just through building of all their story. John's going to try to knock this out and explain this in just a few words. Very unique passage of scripture right here in front of you in John chapter 1. Unlike anything else, the best thing you can compare this to is Genesis chapter 1. So we get into a lot of creation stuff. And so here's just these obvious revelations that I want you to make sure you understand about Christ, okay? So first of all, when we see that word, in, when we see the word word, usually with a capital W in your NIV Bible, that word in the Greek is logos, which a good way to translate that is that which comes forth from God. Isaiah 55, 11 gives us a little bit of a hint to that. If you got that verse up there, Nick, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Now, the Aramaic, this goes back to Old Testament, is, is the word mimrah, which is God's expression of himself. How God describes himself, excuse me, not describes, he, how he expresses himself is the Aramaic equivalent for that. In Hebrew, the word is devar, but not only, which, which encompasses not only words, but anything that comes forth from God. So there's how we get this understanding of what this logos is, that which comes forth from God. And so in verse 1, what we read is that the word was with God in the beginning. Now, you know where I'm going with this. Who am I referring to? Who does John 1 refer to when it talks about the word? Who is it referring to? How do you know that? There's something that happens, I think, in verse 14. What does it say about the word? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so the word is being, so the word here, the logos, that which comes forth from God, the first thing we learn about it is that it was with God in the beginning. Now, try to keep your heads from falling off, okay, when we talk about this stuff. It's hard for me to, too. I, I just, I try to think about these things, and my, I'm not smart enough. I'll just throw that out there, okay? It, it starts to mess with my head, and it, like, wants to explode. But, but what makes more sense for you? That there was no existence, and then existence happened? Does that make sense? 
Or does it make sense that something has always existed and that thing created more existence? Which one makes more sense? That nothing created something? So it's either nothing. I told you your head was going to fall off, okay? That nothing created something or something created something. Which one makes more sense? Okay, this is the mystery of, of, of kind of creationism versus evolutionism. Now, it's certainly a lot more complicated than that, but there's the root of it, okay? The, the, the roots in, in many ways of evolution is that nothing created something, and the root of creationism is that something created something. But that something is something that was uncaused, always has been, and always will be. And that's what we refer to as God, okay? Now, we don't get all these details, this is it. You're reading in one of the chapters. This one in Genesis 1 is the most details we get about how everything began. And, and so what this text, what John is saying about Jesus in this verse is that the word was with God in the beginning. So it does not say that the word was created before the beginning. It says he was where? With God in the beginning. Now, there's also a distinction between God and the Word here, okay? So, the, wor- and the, the Word was with God. So, there's the first, first piece of this revelation. Again, this is kind of like new information to, 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 the, to the Jews, the students of the Old Testament, when John is saying things like this and beginning to put all this together. So, here's the next that would have been a, a key revelation. The next thing. The Word was God, The Word was God. See, John begins this way because in the Old Testament, we have understood Father God, Yahweh, but not the Son of God, which John is going to be explained throughout the rest of his gospel. We have not understood his existence or where his existence was. Now, we do see this in pockets of the Old Testament, and it's explained so much better in the book of Hebrews. But let me give you some examples. Jesus is often referred to as the greater Exodus, leaving something. Jesus is often referred to as a greater rest, a greater prophet, a greater tabernacle. He's referred to in many different prophecies. Maybe you've heard the song, he's the one in the fire. He's the one standing at the other, standing in the fire. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's all throughout the Old Testament. But now John has to show you how actually the word, how that which has come forth from God, who has now been made flesh, has been there all along. And just in that moment, you need to hear that for your, your own life. Just as that song, say, as we, we, we ended with that song, to everyone who's lost someone they've loved long before it was their time, there's this oftentimes this feeling that God hasn't seen me. He's been there all along. He is nearer now than when you first believe. The Lord is with you. The next revelation we see comes out of verse 3. It says, through him, Christ, all things were made. A couple verses I want to show you in the New Testament that tell us this as well. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him 
all things hold together. That's a lot. That says that's a loaded theological statement about Christ. And here's another one in Hebrews 1 2. Hebrews 1 1 through 2, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. Christ is the agent through which all things were made. He was with, so we learned, here's what we've learned in just three quick statements. We've learned that the word was with God in the beginning. Let's call him, let's call him Christ. Christ was with God in the beginning. Christ was God. And through Christ, all things have been made. And one last thing that's relevant in John 1, there's a lot more we could say, but for the sake of today, he is the true light that gives light to everyone. In verse 9, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Christ is that which now reveals truth, makes things clear, makes things easier now to recognize. And this is going to come up when, when we talk about response. But this is our creation. This is some creation, creationist Christology. Creationist Christology. Okay, Some theology about where Christ was and how Christ, what, what role Christ had in creation. Okay, These are things we see all right here in the book of John. And, and I, I don't know if this things, these kind of ideas make your head want to explode like they do me. You know, you have, trying to imagine a world without existence is almost impossible. So what would things were like before our current existence was, uh, my head just starts to hurt. But this is what John is doing here in this chapter. And so now, like I prayed for you and we began this message Well, that's great. We've got some revelation about who Jesus is and about where Jesus was in the creation. But what in the world does that mean to me? So here's the more important part of today's message, the response. The first thing that we as men and women of God are to do because the word was with God and the word is God, because the word... um, the word was everything was created through the word and, and he's given true light to everything because the word became flesh. The first thing we are to do, we find in verse 10, we are to recognize Christ. Verse 10 tells us that he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. I hear people say often, you're, you know, often not people that I'm talking to directly, but we hear people say these kinds of things in the, in the media. You know, they, they just don't see good in the world anymore. And that's often because that's not what we're fed. I've been, we've been hearing lots about how that's not what sells anymore. People are more entertained about, uh, about someone falling from glory. People are more entertained about finding people that agree with them about their ideas, with things aren't right. That's the stuff that sells these days. And so we're not fed the truth. We're not, we're not fed recognizing the good in this world. But when, still when we see it, we know it, don't we? We know humility when we see it. We know integrity when we see it. 
We know true, honest sacrifice for the sake of a cause bigger than themselves when we see it. And we know love when we see it. And so this stuff isn't going to be fed to you by your culture. You're not going to get it. You know, every once in a while, you, you ever watch these shows? Um, whenever they do sh- try to tell their good story, it's the very last thing. I've noticed this pattern on the news. It's the very last thing they do. Let's get to all the bad news first. It's going to be great. They're going to love it. They're going to keep watching. And then because we should probably get some good news, we'll throw that in it right at 9.59, okay? Right before we quickly cut on to the next thing, we'll tell this really wholesome, beautiful story. So you're not going to get fed that stuff naturally. So church, what I'm trying to tell you is that that is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to be intentional and to recognize Christ. Now, I was talking to Joe before, uh, before service, and, and it is this Ash Wednesday kicked off Lent season. And, and we actually just did a time of prayer and fasting really just weeks ago as we began our new year because it kind of got postponed because we had some days out and COVID and stuff. But, but oftentimes, people just jump in with Lent season and just start giving up something. And, and oftentimes, they don't even know why they're giving anything up. They just, well, it's time. I'm supposed to give something up. So I'm going to quit waking up early. I, I mean, they come up with silly things sometimes, right? But, but the important thing, if ever there's a season, if ever there's a preparation that you can have for Easter, is, is to return to a simple devotional life. Return to a moment where you're having some watchfulness each day where you're in the Lord's word, where you're, where you're just spending a few moments in prayer and saying, Lord, I want to be prepared today. We, we went through this with the Lord's prayer just a couple of weeks ago. Went through many of those just different basic steps of just having the attitude of lead me not into temptation. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is one of the most important things we can do is to set aside some time to recognize Christ. And then if we do that, we will see Um, how the Lord is working in our midst, and therefore we can be a part of it. But the next thing, second thing we we must respond to through this work, we must receive him and his message. In verse, verse 11, it says, It came into the world that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, there's... This one is simply on the grounds of whether we welcome truth or we reject it. When we know the good that we should do, when we know what God's will is for our life, but we choose something else. You have a choice. You're going to have a choice this week. You're going to have a choice before this day is over. One way or another, whether you receive Christ, whether you accept the truth, receive the truth, or reject it. So because Christ has come and he's... he's, He has made himself flesh and dwelt upon man. We have the responsibility to recognize him, to receive him. And the third thing, I love this one in verse 13. We have the right to become children of God. Verse 13 says, we are children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, meaning they've decided to have a child, or a husband's will but born of God. Now, this is heavy language that John is using, but he just gets done explaining how Christ created all things. So in one way, shape, or form, all of us are children of God, which is true. 
But what he's talking about, the language that he's using here in the Greek is that you have the power, you have the authority, something you did not have before in the Old Testament. You have the right to be in an intimate relationship with Christ. You have the right to be in that father-son, father-daughter relationship with the living God. You didn't, they didn't have that before. In the, before in the old tabernacle system, um, only the, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And if you got too close and you didn't do things right, in some ways you would die or you'd, you'd uh, cast a curse all over the camp. And that's the way it was in the Old Testament. So what John is telling you and telling me in this text is that you have the right to be in an intimate relationship with Christ. And so often we twist this up and we, 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 uh, we mess this theology up. Even as the song said, we, we cry out to God. We, we long for God to come to us. The mystery of the gospel that's in this text right here. You can go after him whenever you want to. You can go as far you can go as deep, and my favorite line, you guys ought to be able to fill this one in now, you can have as much of God in your life as you want to. In fact, you already do. Thank you, Nick. Everybody else should have that memorized by now, but I'm glad you said it anyway. So, so John is talking about this intimate relationship, a relationship they did not have in the Old Testament. And so finally, we see this one in verse 16. We must receive grace. Here's what it says about grace in verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. This is the great thing about the gospel. I would say probably love is the governing word. If you had to give it one word in the Old Testament, or excuse me, in the New Testament, If I had to just summarize the New Testament in one word, I would probably say love. But I would put this next, is the word grace. What John is saying is that grace continues. It's like a fountain. It continues to be dispensed. There's already grace for you now, and there's going to be more grace for you in the future. See, the thing is, if you ever attempt to do any of those things, and I believe all of you are here because you have, Because you've recognized Christ, you've received him and his message, you've exercised your right to draw near to him. But as we do that, we have those days or those many, many moments within a day when we recognize that we fall short. When we recognize that we have fallen away. That it's been been 20 days since I prayed and at this point it's probably, there's no point in it because the Lord doesn't want me anymore anyway. We tell ourselves these, these have these, we have these disordered cognitions and we tell ourselves these, these incredibly false things. And what, what John is speaking to us in this gospel is that there will always be grace for you. There will always be grace that is available to you. What, what, what just a passage of scripture to be humbled by. The creator of the universe desires a relationship with you. And the worst thing that you can do is to, is to stop t- start telling yourself you've fallen too far. You've created too much space. See, 
he has, we're the ones that have problem with our sin, but he doesn't. We're the ones that have problem with our own insecurities, but he doesn't. See, we have all these issues with ourselves, but the Lord is consistently distributing grace to us. So right now, in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just take a few moments. Because I believe that many of you here need to receive that grace from the living God this morning. You know, you did something this week. You said something that you you weren't proud of. You acted in a way that you wish you wouldn't have. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you're telling yourself that I'm not worthy. And I think this goes for many people on Facebook as well. I'm not worthy of God's love. He knows what I did. He won't accept me anymore. I'm telling you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. And right now in this moment, will you receive grace from the word of God that, made his, that, that became flesh and made his dwelling upon, upon man. He is with you and desires a relationship with you. You receive the grace of the living God this morning. If you haven't done that yet, I believe he's, I believe he's speaking to you. You might think he's talking to someone else, but no, this is you. You've, you've Just this week, you've decided you're going to be a little too hard on yourself. You've decided that that I have gone too far. Receive grace from the living God this morning. Lord, thank you for each and every one that is here. We thank you more so for your word, that you take a revelation from thousands of years ago and you remind us that you are here right now. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we sing a worship song, You are here. You are the God who has made your dwelling upon man, and you are now present with us through your Holy Spirit. And it is our call to recognize you, to receive your truth, to exercise our right to remain in a relationship with you. And Lord, but but most importantly, to keep receiving your grace time and time again. Thank you for softening our heart this morning, for allowing your word to come forth. Thank you for being the God that is present, our God that is near our Emmanuel, that is with us in these moments. Lord, may we go forth with your power and your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank all of you that have joined us on, on Facebook and, and, and those that, uh, that have been with us this morning. I want to invite you to stand now for your benediction. Um, remind you that uh, we do have our, we have the heifer offering in the back. We also have our um, uh, regular offering in the back before you go as well. Your benediction is, is straight from our message today. May you recognize Christ. May you receive him and his message. May you exercise your right to become children of God. And today is the day to receive the, the dispensation of grace that is available to you in Christ. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.